You are tuned in to Awaken Radio with Connie Chapman. To listen to more episodes, go to ConnieChapman.com or subscribe on iTunes. Hello, everyone. This is Connie and welcome to today's episode of Awaken Radio. It is so awesome to be back here with you. And it is really cool to be bringing you a conversation today with this beautiful woman, a beautiful friend of mine, and a woman whose work I really admire and follow is Dr. Ezzy Spencer. And her and I are going to be chatting about lunar abundance and following the moon cycles, understanding the moon cycles, and learning how to actually tap into them, the different energy cycles, and use these to move forward towards our dreams and desires and also support our own selves energetically as well. So for those of you who may not know Ezzy as yet, she writes and speaks about women's well-being, believing deeply in social justice and gender equity. Ezzy trained as a lawyer and did her PhD in women's well-being after sexual violence. She now teaches her personal practice called Luna Abundance, how to cultivate inner peace and prosperity by following the moon cycle. You can find Ezzy at lunarabundance.com and follow her lunar updates in real time on Instagram with the, with the username Luna Abundance. Beautiful. Ezzy, welcome. It's so awesome to have you here. <laughs> Hello, Connie. It's so good to be here. Thank you for inviting me on your show. Yeah, it's so nice to be talking to you and my audience is going to be able to hear your beautiful rainforest sound in the background because <laughs> we were just saying you're in Bali and I can hear this, oh, this beautiful sound in the background. So it's going to be like a meditation for them as we're talking. <laughs> so nice. Um, beautiful. Beautiful. So I really, I love to open up with people in these conversations about your own personal journey because I always find it so fascinating to hear the path that people have walked and how it's led them to coming to do the work that they're doing now. So I know your background was in, in training as a lawyer and then doing your PhD and that's all completely shifted now. So um, take us back to when you were doing that training and, and how this has changed to now bring you to the work that you're, you're currently doing. Yeah, it's a really good question because on the surface, it doesn't seem like the law has a lot to do with what I'm doing now for work. And so people are often really curious about that change in direction. And I guess I, um, going back, I trained as a lawyer and then I was working in, after I graduated, I was working as a lawyer as well. And I was working in an area, I was always interested in social justice. So I was working for the government at the time to review Australia's laws, to make them up to date and just and effective and in line with Australia human rights obligation. And I did a lot of really interesting work when I was there, including looking at Australia's family violence and domestic violence laws, which got me really fired up and um, impassioned around trying to make a, a difference in that area. And that's why I did went on and did my PhD in that area. But I guess when I was working as a lawyer there was whilst I was doing that work which was really rewarding and ticked a lot of boxes for me I guess there were other aspects of that work which was not really satisfying aspects of my of my soul and I had a deeper I had a deeper yearning um, for something which I can talk about more in retrospect but at the time, I guess it manifested more as being pretty stressed and pretty anxious. 
and working very long hours and pushing myself a lot. Mm-hmm. And I was pretty disconnected with my with my heart, with my emotions, with my feeling, with my intuition, with my body. Um, the law is a very um, heady profession. A lot of corporate jobs are very sort of, you know, linear and rational and there's a lot of, of, of thinking and, um, and talking and writing and, and it's a, it, these are very heady um, areas to be working in and I think that all had a place but I was out of balance in that and so I guess, you know, I would sort of be looking for um, something in that something extra, that something that was missing by going home at night when I wasn't partying because I did a lot of self-medicating and, mm-hmm. and, and partying in that area of my life as well. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> when I was having those more reflective times for self-inquiry, uh, you know, I'd go home at night and write in my journal to try to process my feelings and to try to make sense of, of myself and what was up because I knew that something wasn't quite right and I knew that I was or I sensed that I was heading towards a kind of a burnout of some of some sort you know I wasn't there yet but I could sense that there was just something that was out of kilter and so I'd write about this in my journal and then at some point in uh, somewhere in my mid-20s and I can't tell you exactly when and I can't tell you exactly why because it really wasn't trendy to do then but at some point I would start I would look up at night and see where the moon was in the sky and I would draw in the little symbol for the moon face oh, wow. in my journal. <laughs> yeah, and I would, I mean, I don't, as I said, I don't know why I started doing this, but over many months, because the lunar cycle takes about a month and it goes through all, all the phases. And so after doing this for over many phases and then over many months, I started to see that there was some... Um, uh, I guess, predictability about my feeling, my emotional landscape, where I was sort of at in terms of my emotional cycle, my emotional rhythm. There was a rhythm and cycles that were emerging for me that I could see. And those, um, I guess, those sort of emotional um, predictabilities were, and where the moon was in the sky, uh, or was really correlating with where the moon was in the sky. So, where I guess, you know, the moon was at a certain phase, you know, I would one month be feeling a certain way and then the next month be feeling a similar way and so on and so forth. So I found Mm. that incredibly fascinating. It was so, so interesting to me. And so as a detective, I sort of went deeper into it. And this is something which I did very much as my own my own hobby, my own sort of personal therapy, my mm-hmm. own self-inquiry. So whilst my career on the outset was continuing to move along and go really well, and when I switched from working in more of a professional setting into doing the PhD, I also started lecturing at university and I was planning to go down that legal academic research path. I still planned that as my career, but I was doing this in the background and I was doing this on my own and finding that it was so immensely interesting and rich and starting to have um, results and changes, you know, it started Mm. to have this transformative effect in my own life that I started to share it with people. I started to share it with other women. I started to talk about it. I started to do, you know, some de facto sessions and then I started to, to teach workshops and then I started to get paid and do more formal sessions. 
And then that was a very uh, informal uh, way that, an accidental way really that my business began very much on the side as a hobby, as a fun project. And it just sort of took its life and its genesis in those early days and, and, and grew from there very much through word of mouth at first. And then eventually uh, on, I had a website uh, a couple of years after that and it continued to grow online. Wow. You know, it's so interesting um, knowing you as the woman that you are now, and I, we've met a couple of times, when you talk about being this heady lawyer, this analytical, stressed out, anxious <laughs> person, I can't even understand it. Um, but I, I, I loved when you were talking about that because you had said feeling kind of stressed and anxious and you noticed things were out of balance and you were on the verge of burnout. It was almost like that was your indication that there was something about where you were that didn't feel quite right and yes this is something you would probably see this in so many women as well who are on paths that they're sort of pushing 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 but something fundamentally isn't feeling right do you feel that's that's a point where we really need to start to listen and almost like you did start sort of some some self-inquiry hundred percent yes and I feel like I, you know, I, I, I did it at the right time and I did it pretty early, really, but I wish I'd done it earlier. You know, I feel like it's so important to start that journey of going within because that's where you'll find answers or, you yeah. know, I guess a whole new direction, which in my head, the idea of running a business where I teach women about the moon cycle like that was so far <laughs> out of my frame of reference I couldn't have invented that when I was working as a lawyer mm. you know there's no way I could have come up with that consciously it was very much a product of that self-inquiry and starting off with asking myself how am I feeling today yeah like <laughs> what's going on like how can I start to figure out what is 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 up and how am I relating to the world and what is my place in the world? So exactly as you say, if you have that sense of, and anyone listening, if there is that sense of something being just not quite right, but yet not being able to put your finger on or name what that is, that is such a big sign to start to go within because the answers may be so much more magical than you could even you know, dream about. Yeah, and, and your story is such an incredible example where you you would have had no idea uh, what else was actually available for you, like what your true mm. purpose was until you began to just crack open that small part of you that was willing to explore something new or be curious or look within and ask those powerful questions and this whole new path has been revealed for you, which is so exciting. And I loved the part where you were just almost intuitively guided to um, without even realizing it, pay attention to the moon. So you touched on mm. month. There's a month long. I don't see. I even need to figure out the language for this. The, there's a month long cycle with the phases. Can you explain mm. the whole what you discovered about the the phases of the moon over the month? Yeah, totally. So there. Uh, so the actual lunar cycle itself lasts like 29 and a half days. So it's just under a month. Um, and just over four weeks. So it's just in that in-between space. And then within that 29-day cycle, of which there'll be like 12 and a bit of those, 12 and a half of those cycles in, a, in an annual year, like a calendar year. Um, but then within each one of those individual lunar cycles, 
cycles lasting the 29 days or so, there are eight moon phases at least. And, and that's what I work with in, in the system that I work with. So, and that's what makes sense to me. And so the, a lot of people are familiar with two of those phases. And those two phases are, of course, like the full moon phase because who can miss that? Yeah. It's just, you know, so glorious and gorgeous. And, of course, we often have got quite a noticeable emotional response to the full moon phase as well. Um, and that's been documented that there are. Are, uh, th- there are effects, for example, on our sleep patterns at the at the full moon phase. There are going to there's heightened activity in um, the criminal justice system and in mm. uh, the hospital system and in schools. <laughs> and anyone who works in any of those areas will be nodding their head and going, "Yep, yep, yep." So you know, we're not imagining this; we're feeling it. It's very real. That's the full moon phase. And then the other phase, the second phase, which a lot of people are familiar with already, is the new moon phase. And so the full moon phase actually happens midway through the lunar cycle. It's the climactic point, if you will. It happens at roughly the two-week mark of the cycle. And the new moon phase start, is the very first day of the cycle. So the new moon happens two weeks before the, the full moon. And so I see those two phases that really as really linked, and that's one of the, the ways to start to find a, a sense of emotional stability and calm in working with the moon, if, particularly if you're knocked around by the full moon, is to come back and to do a particular uh, intention-setting process at the new moon phase and then link your feelings at the full moon back to that new moon phase two weeks earlier. Then in addition to that, there are six other phases. So there are phases in between the new moon and the full moon. So as the moon waxes from new up to full, so from darkness at the new moon up until full light and illumination at the full moon. It'll go through the phases of the crescent moon and the first quarter moon and then the gibbous moon. And then the moon will wane from the full moon phase back down to the new moon phase mm-hmm. where it'll start again over a course of roughly two weeks in the in the second part, the waning part of the lunar cycle as the moon will go through the disseminating lunar phase, the third quarter phase, and then the balsamic moon phase, which is the eighth of the eight moon phases. Wow. And then there are particular um, sort of focal points or, yeah. or emphases at each one of those lunar phases that you can work with. Yeah. So let's start with, say, new moon energy, because this is sort of mm. where we're starting the cycle. Um, Mm. what I'm just as a beginning point, curious to know, what did you notice through those periods of journaling was the impact of a new moon on you or, or what do you tend to notice is the way it energetically affects people? Mm. Well, it's a time of withdrawal and going within for me and the same for a lot of other people. So it is a quieter time. It's a more, um, introspective time if you will, and it's also a very rich time to seed an intention. So to set an intention at the new moon phase, and I should say there are a lot of traditions, you know, spiritual traditions and religious traditions and, you know, lots of different traditions around the world which use this intention-setting process at the new moon phase you know it's even um you can you can you can see this in 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 many different lineages is to set an intention at that new moon phase because you have gone within at that time to find out what is it that you really want to create in your Mm. life so oftentimes when we're setting an intention you know we want to get into some more of the um of the of the goal setting or how do we make this happen you know that's the the well certainly I'm speaking for myself and speaking 
with a lot of uh, women, you know, that can be the, the our very conditioned tendency is to jump into the to the how at that new moon phase, but to stay with that feeling of introspection and to 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 go within and to work out what is it that you want to cultivate in your life? What kind of qualities do you want to cultivate in your life? That's a really beautiful practice at the new moon phase. So this is kind of like the planting the seeds kind of phase. Is that right? Perfect. Yeah, sowing. Sowing the seeds, planting the seeds and and not standing over it and <laughs> yelling at it to grow. <laughs> Why? Why have you not borne me fruit? <laughs> and and so we're not expecting necessarily this to manifest within the this one cycle. How do we then kind of is it just that we're wanting to set forth that energy at this particular time? Yeah, and to get really clear on our own intention. So to really put in, as you say, perfectly, you know, like plant the seed and to say, this is something which I would like to cultivate in my life. And, you know, I want to create this in my life. And I am going to be very clear and very intentional about that at the new moon phase. And I like the way you describe it as kind of like this withdrawal quiet time, because we often think about sometimes setting an intention as a very outward action focused, but you're, you know, Mm. is this a time we would kind of be with our journal and maybe even meditating and kind of listening to ourselves about what we truly, truly want? Absolutely. And so we are, um, you know, oftentimes in that place and we go within and the intention might pop up and we might say when we are in that more quiet you know meditative um environment you know with the journal and you know with the candles and make it really sensual and delicious and we may um be surprised then at what our heart reveals to us as our true desire it may not make a lot of sense to us because it's like our subconscious has that opportunity to to come through and to communicate with us what is in our highest interest at that time. Mm. And so if we're wanting to work with the energy then of the moon, is it as we build towards the full moon, is this our kind of time to be then sort of taking action on those intentions? Mm. So the way that I work with the moon cycle is I go into that next level down of the eight moon phases that I mentioned before. And of those eight moon phases, half are what I call yang phases and half are what I call yin phases. And they actually come in pairs. And so the new moon phase is a yang phase and yang meaning it is a more initiatory energy. Mm. It's a more sort of, if you want, you know, masculine energy, if we want to talk in, in those terms, it's more about doing something. And here, even though we are being introspective, actually planting a seed is an action. That's a doing piece. And then it will, the next phase will be a yin phase. And so the yin phase that's a pair for the new moon is the crescent moon phase. And that is a more restorative, receiving, you know, hanging back, you know, allowing yourself to breathe and to feel and to allow the growth and the restoration to happen in that mm. yin phase. 
And then the phase after that, the first quarter moon phase, that's the young phase. So that would be a time to start to take discerning action. So you do need to, um, to, to, to make sure that you're going out there and doing things to make your intention come into form. There is sort of the feminine element of setting the intention to start with rather than, as you said before, going out and getting all action oriented and goal setting and so forth. You know, we get intentional to start with, but then we do need to take some action, but we want that to be smart action, strategic action, discerning action, not kind of just pushing and hustling for the sake of it mm-hmm. um, because we're all really good at that. You know, that's, yeah. That's, yeah. Not, that's not hard to do, but taking smart, strategic, discerning action, which may not involve as much effort as you think, but which is really in line with your desires and what you want to create is something to do with that next yang phase, the third quarter phase. And then the the and then the, there'll be a yin phase after that, and then the full moon phase is a yang phase, and there'll be a yin phase, and then mm. a final pair, yang and yin, like that. So for me, I feel like that's a more realistic way to work with the lunar cycle in the sense that you are, you know, we're we're living in the modern world. It's not like we can take two weeks of action in the waxing phase and then two weeks of <laughs> hanging out in the waning phase. It's like, what would that look like? I can't see how that would, you know, I can't see how that would be realistic in uh, modern life. It certainly wouldn't work in, in my life. I'd love to have two weeks on, two weeks off. Um, but <laughs> but the, working with the yang and the yin phase as a couplet, as a pair, where each one of those phases will last three to four days. It depends. It changes all the time because the moon has an elliptical orbit. But, you know, the yang-yin, you know, yang phase, the new moon phase will last three or four days. You know, that'll be three or four days of setting your intention, three or four days of having the yin focus with the crescent moon phase, the first quarter moon, another three or four days of smart and discerning action, you know, Mm. then the yin phase and resting. And so it just is a more... um, it's a rhythm which just makes sense in our in our modern world to to work constructively with the moon cycle, with the yin and the yang phases in that way. And I love that word rhythm. I think that's a really beautiful, it, it feels very balanced the way you're describing it, that we're kind of, you know, there's a few steps forward and then there's kind of maybe pulling back, reassessing, feeling into it, then stepping forward again, and then sort of coming back. Like that's sort of the energy you're describing. And, and I just want to say to people, if you if you want to understand this more, jump on Ezzy's Instagram because you post uh, Instagram images around the different of these different eight different phases. And I, I find that really mm. useful to, to know when you post that because you share a bit of an insight around how to work with that energy at the time. So if this is a bit confusing for people, jump on Ezzy's Instagram and you can follow um, that. So we get to full moon. Okay. What, um, what have you noticed you tend to feel in a full moon or what you find a lot of people tend to feel at that time? <laughs> well, I just find like the full moon phase is the time of full like, illumination in yeah. every way, <laughs> as I'm sure you can relate uh, to. Yes. hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Right. So I am, when I'm talking about the, the moon, I tend to talk about the, the lunar, um, our relationship with the moon as it being a mirror for us. So that's symbolic 
uh, mm. working with the moon fits quite well with my understanding of the lunar cycle. So if I'm thinking about the moon as the mirror and at the full moon phase, and the mirror for us, so as above, so below, the moon in the sky and at the full moon phase, you know, the very bright, alive, shining orb of the moon in the sky mm. reflecting for us down below here on Earth and here in our own bodies, you know, everything is lit up. And so if we are very sensitive people and you are likely to become more and more sensitive and more and more intuitive as you do tune into lunar energy and your own rhythms and cycles, you know, as you start to, to defrost and you come back more into your body and come back more into your feeling sense and come back more into connection with your emotions and being with your emotions rather than Mm. being a puppet of your emotions then you will feel more and more at you know throughout the whole cycle but because you know there is that you know all lights on aspect of the full moon phase you're particularly going to feel that at the full moon phase and that's definitely the case for me and so things become clear for me at the full moon phase you know if there are any if there's anything standing in my way um for example you know myself if I'm sabotaging myself it's usually the way isn't it it's usually us getting in the way somehow (laughs) right (laughs) and then that's revealed to you and you're like oh hallelujah this was just so confusing to me and now I really now I really get it now I really get what's going on and and the way that I was preventing this particular part of my life from flowing and usually that's because I'm scared you know there's a part of me that's like oh gosh you know if life if you did for example you know create your desire in this particular lunar cycle if you're able to bring this into your life if if this is going to um, be part of your experience moving forwards that's going to be different that's going to be a change and a change is uncertain and change is scary and so there is always that part of you which wants to keep you safe and wants to keep you small and wants to keep you in the status quo and that part of you is usually the subconscious part because the conscious conscious mind is thinking you know okay let's go Mm. so the full moon phase can be a wonderful time again for self-inquiry and I think you know this entire practice of following the moon is a practice of greater self-knowledge that's really at the heart of it it's about self-knowledge it's about embodiment it's about getting to know yourself so deeply and all of those different and deeper layers of yourself so deeply so that then you can allow the parts which don't serve you and which don't serve you know your future abundant life to just gently dissolve and drop away so you can move forward in um, being able to create that better life for yourself. Mm, so I sort of see these full moon periods sometimes as being quite um, emotional and confronting because we'll, mm. you're, as you said, certain aspects of ourselves are having almost like a big light shined on them, like from the moon. <laughs> so we can kind of see, you know, the fear or the insecurity or the self-doubt kind of coming up. And then there's mm. often quite a lot of emotion um, because this is a time for releasing, isn't it? So this could be our mm. opportunity to move through that and release that and shed that. Mm, absolutely it's such a good time to release and to consciously release just consciously let things go and write mm. them out and burn them yeah Burning do you have a ritual a I was going to ask that like a ritual around that because <laughs> a lot of people do they write stuff out and burn it and that's their process at the full moon I love writing things out and burning them I find that to be such a satisfying process at the full moon I absolutely love to do that I also love working with water and I, you know, I love to swim and even just take a shower. And there's that, again, that very symbolic 
sense of just letting things go, letting Mm. things go. Mm. Yeah. So there are many ways that you can do it, but working with fire and release and and writing things out and then, you know, being able to to, to burn them and (laughs) seeing that. I mean, it's just there can be no better feeling when you're ready. And I can really see what you're saying here is that, I mean, obviously the moon's always doing her thing, but if we understand this and we can actually work in with it, I mean, your kind of, your teaching right is really harnessing and maximizing these energies so that we can get the most out of them. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. How how does this work in with your business? Because you run your own business, you're writing a book at the moment. How do you almost work your, your business in with these cycles? Mm. Oh, that's such a good question. So, I mean, I have, I guess it works on a couple of levels in the sense that it's my business in that I teach this. Mm. And so there's that aspect of it. In terms of the day-to-day aspect of it, I I mean, this is my personal practice, which I still work with every single day. And so I set intentions um, at, the, at the new moon, which are working with the particular theme that's live for me at any given time. And I will sit with that intention each day in meditation throughout the lunar cycle. In terms of specific activities that I do, the yin and the yang phases are really helpful for me in the sense that I will do a lot of um, sort of creative work during the yin phases. So I find during the yin phases, it's less of a time of, say, seeing clients or doing promotional writing Mm. and that type of thing. It doesn't matter. You know, some of that is going to most likely fall during a yin phase. But because I do run my own business, I do have uh, quite a high degree of, you know, agency over my own calendar and what that looks like. So I'll do much more of my client work or of my promotional work in the yang phases or, you know, speaking, for instance, and that type of thing in the yang phases. And then in the yin phases, for the most part, I would block out that time to be doing some more of the creative work. So that would, for me, because I'm I'm a writer, I love to write a lot of the, the more creative writing or writing content for my program, writing materials or, you know, doing the, doing the book writing, a lot of that um, more flow type work would happen during a yin phase, whereas say some more of the, you know, the book structuring might happen in a yang phase. So that's the way that I would work within my business on a day-to-day level with these with these phases and this energy. But when I was working in, uh, in an office environment, an institutional environment, you know, I didn't have like that level of agency over my own calendar, but I did still have ways where I could work with this yin energy and this yang energy in a way that was useful and constructive and meaningful in the sense that in a yang phase, that might be the time where I would actually push through. You know, sometimes there are those tasks which you just don't really want to do, but you're going to feel so much better after they're off your to-do list. And so those would be the things that I would do in a yang phase, whereas the yin phase, I'd use that as an opportunity as far as was possible for me to take my foot off the gas a little bit, you know, take it a little bit easier. Um, You know, probably not reply to that email today because it wasn't totally necessary for it to be shot off immediately. You know, it could wait till tomorrow, Um, which would be, you know, the third quarter moon phase and that type of thing. So regardless of what the setup is, there are ways that you can work with this practice within your own life and customise it to really suit 
your own life and your own requirements because, you know, we all have so many responsibilities today, yeah. right? You know, it's like this is also I mean, this transcends work. This is something which, say, in an exercise sense, if it is a yang phase, then, you know, maybe I would go for a run rather than a walk or I would push myself to run, you know, the whole length of the beach and not half the length of the beach, right. for instance. Yep, where I get it's, it. Yeah, if it's a yin phase, I would be, you know, just going for a more of a restorative amble after dinner <laughs> and that type of thing. So, you know, planning the social events at the full moon because it's a great time to get out and about and maybe choosing to stay in and indulge with a good book or maybe even Netflix in a yin phase if that's what I felt like I needed in the evening. Wow, I, I love that. That's a really beautiful way to understand it. It doesn't mean that we go, oh, it's a yin phase, I'm just going to do nothing. It just means that there's <laughs> different ways that we would approach things. I think that's really beautiful and and that would help people who – a sort of questioning in themselves or should I push you know a little bit today or should I trust myself that I'm feeling a little bit more introspective and they can use the moon mm. to support them I'm also curious how this works in with our with for women with our menstrual cycle because am I right mm. our menstrual cycle is the same length of time as the moon cycle so that is the case I would say approximately yeah. and so there is definitely I would say uh well there is a relationship between the menstrual cycle and the moon cycle, and I'm basing that on the fact that so many people tell me that they feel that there is that relationship between the two cycles. I feel like there is like there's a couple of caveats which I think are important to put in with that. And I guess like the first one is like these are two cycles, but there are so many cycles that we have in our mm. lives, right? And I think it's really good to do that self-inquiry and that tracking and that observation and get to know all of your cycles, you know, including like your sleeping cycle and, you wow. know, your seasonal cycle and all of those kind of things. So I think whatever you can do to, to witness yourself and get to know yourself and work and harness all of your own natural rhythms and cycles, the better it will be. Uh, one of the things that I hear a lot with women who start to work with the moon cycle and tracking the moon cycle is that there can be a return of the menstrual cycle. So some women haven't bled for a long time and then they start working with the moon and they do see a return of the menstrual cycle. And so there does seem to be a relationship there between the two things. Some people can feel like there can be, um, you know, and an irregular cycle can start to become more regular when working more with the moon cycle and tuning into what's going on inside of their body. Mm. And, um, and, and there can be, I suppose, a sense of, you know, getting off that emotional roller coaster in the same way that I spoke about before with the full moon in terms of the menstrual cycle. So we're all used to, of course, you know, the, um, the, the, the irritability or the intense emotions that can be uh, affected by hormones in that menstrual cycle process. And so if you are going it within and doing that self-inquiry and tracking and working with your, with your, with your own rhythms and own cycles and honoring them, as you said before, you know, giving yourself that chance to rest and restore and listening, if that's what your body is telling you, then that can have a positive effect as well. So these are all things that women tell me and I haven't done mm. actual, you know, professional research into them. I'm not a medical doctor, so I don't know, you know, exactly what that relationship is. But I feel, and I don't think that that research has been done. If it has been done, I haven't seen it. 
Um, but I do feel like the one thing, you know, when I mentioned before with the caveats, which is important to note, is that I am increasingly hearing from women around, you know, some some concern that their menstrual cycle isn't syncing up with the moon cycle. So, you know, I'm not bleeding at the new moon, you know, and is, does this mean that there's something wrong with me? Or my, my menstrual cycle is 35 days and not, you know, the 29 days mm-hmm. of, the, of the menstrual cycle, of the moon cycle, sorry. Um, you know, is there something wrong with me? And so I guess that would just, I think that's an unintended consequence of talking about um you know sort of too flippantly the relationship between the moon cycle and the menstrual cycle which is that you know whatever your body is doing is what your body is doing you know if there is a you know a concern if there is you know real um you know real pain if there are real issues going on you know if there is a complete absence you know of your of your of your personal moon cycle you know by all means you know you know seek the appropriate medical attention for that but, you know, don't problematize your own body and your own rhythm and your own cycle if it's not, for instance, syncing up exactly with the moon cycle in the way that you think it should or, you know, which some articles on the internet might tell you that it should. <laughs> you know, because ultimately this whole journey, and, and it sounds like your whole journey that you've been on, is about coming into a deeper connection with and a deeper understanding of our own bodies and our own feminine mm-hmm. selves, which has cycles and works with energy and needs to be listened to and nurtured and supported based on where it's at. So it's not about, I suppose, trying to get our cycle to fit into a box of the moon, but, right. but, um, but, but I guess what you're saying is, is to have this deeper understanding of our cycle and, and does it work in with the moon? Does it not? How, does it, how do we feel at different periods of our own cycle, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's such a magical gateway through to those, um, those questions and that observation and witnessing of the self. And I just, uh, you know, even going back to your, your journey to go from being a very, you know, analytical thinker, planner type of personality in law and, and all up in, in, in the thinking space. And obviously mm. the, this has been quite a journey for you to come into this much sort of deeper connection with the feminine body, heart, feeling. Um, along with tracking the moon, have there been other things that have really supported you to shift? Because I know being a very heady person too, it, it, it can be a very uh, difficult journey at times. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I would say that meditation has been such a fundamental part of my journey and it's part of my lunar practice and it works really beautifully because it does have that introspective quality to it meditation so it is a um you know a core part of the this shift and this change and helping me to come into my body I tend to do feeling-based somatic meditation, which is, um, you know, I guess when I started out doing meditation, I was doing more of the the heady type meditations and I gravitated to those types of meditations naturally because I was working in that very Mm. heady environment. Um, and so that really worked for me at the get go, but there were, that I, I needed to move on from those types of, of, of meditations and coming into more of an experiential felt, um, meditative space has been essential to be able to tap into that embodiment of what it means to be a woman. 
and, you know, a woman in her power as well because it is very much about being able to go to those places and being able to feel, like physically feel mm. um, the, those places and be able to be there and be present with those feelings, which is part and parcel of, of being able to, to, to inhabit your, your own temple and to be strong in it and not to be afraid of yourself. Oh, and yeah, not to be afraid in the body because I know my mm. experience of learning how to come into the body has meant detaching from the control of my mind. And at times I've been like, no, I don't want to come out of my head because I feel safe and in control. And when I'm in the right. body, I'm kind of, um, you're more surrendered, right? So there's a releasing of control, I guess, to make that part, that journey as well. <laughs> oh, Absolutely. I love the way you put that. That's definitely been my surrender. experience. Yeah, it is a surrender. I mean, who would think that to come into our true nature, we need to surrender, but but we kind of do. <laughs> so Isn't true. It funny. And because um, I, had, I had been reading on your website and I pulled out this sentence that I absolutely loved that you'd written, which was, Lunar abundance is a feminine framework designed to bring your desires to life without the burnout, push, 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 or pressure. And there, there is so much feminine energy that, uh, that comes through this. And, and I'm just curious your perspectives on manifestation. I mean, whether you use that term, we all kind of, this, this process of bringing our ideas and desires into form, you know. Um, what's your approach from a very feminine perspective of, of how you manifest things in your life? Mm. Well, it all really does start with the intention and so getting clear. I feel like so many of us are, I mean, certainly myself, you know, included in when I look back in my 20s, I just didn't know what my desires were, you know, yeah. the, the prospect of like, what would my dream life look like? And what would it feel like? You know, it was just, it was, it, it, not to say that I didn't have a, an idea around that, but it was a very socially prescribed idea around that. And it hadn't included a lot of my, my own um, deep yearning and, and feeling. Um, and so getting clear about what your desires really are and setting an intention. So you're crystallizing that and, mm. and, you know, sowing that seed as we spoke about before is just such an essential first step. So rather than yeah, the, the hustling and the getting out and the pushing and the doing it, just starting and putting ground zero as well, what is it that I really want to feel? And then feeling that before it even, um, you know, has materialized in the external world. And then to let that resistance from the subconscious melt away mm. from that and, and from the inquiry and from being with the feelings and sitting with those feelings on an ongoing basis. I mean, many of us are very good at setting intentions and same with like the New Year's resolution. It's like, what, a week later, what happened with that? Totally. <laughs> and so, you know, committing to the process and coming back, which, you know, and I do that on a daily basis. It's the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is on a daily basis. 
and then taking action but making that smart and strategic mm. and discerning and aligned action but the action coming later you know the action coming after the intention setting mm. and then that is the way where I feel you know that the feminine abundance like the feminine way is to you know not try to manifest from your mind or not try to you know think about or visualize what you'd want and then you know use willpower or thinking to get it but to be that fully embodied woman where you're feeling what qualities it is that you would like to cultivate in your life and in that way you will become magnetic I love the distinction between this isn't our head saying I want this and going after it it's Mm. it sounds like your process is uncovering the feeling behind what you desire and embodying that now yeah, that's right. Embodying that now and then taking smart and strategic action, which is in alignment with how you want to feel. So to put yourself out there in a, you know, a, a discerning way, in an aligned way, which is going to facilitate people coming to you to be able to help you and support you on your journey. And so so that is how you become magnetic to start with the intention and the feeling and getting clear about what those are and to feel them and to stay connected with them. Yes. And the moon represents the feelings. You know, when I'm talking about the moon as the mirror, the moon as the guide, you know, the moon is the symbol, you know, it's, it's very much around how, um, you know, it's a metaphor for all of these things. This is how it supports me in my own journey. And um, and then when you are in a place where you are fully, you know, embodying um, that, that, that energy of what it is that, that you desire and you are living in the overflow, which is what I mean when I talk about abundance. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a frame of mind. It's a mindset. It's being in the flow. It's living in the overflow. So you are giving generously to others and then also able to receive back. So, you know, there's no use sort of being magnetic if you're then going to repel people when they're actually coming to you to, to help you and support you. So being um, being able to draw the right people and things and opportunities towards you to help support you on your path and then being able to, to open up and receive that support when it comes to you is essential. So you touched on abundance there because this is a key part of what you teach and you you use the Mm. word overflow. So can we go a bit deeper into that? So this conversation of abundance being an overflow of what we're feeling flowing out from us, is that what you're meaning? It's really talking about being in a, a, a place where you are living in, like, yeah, living in the flow. So living in a place of trust and knowing that you are looked after and that you are supported and that you are, you know, really riding the wave along, um, you know, lots of water <laughs> language here because I really resonate with water. Okay. I can sitting here next to a waterfall. As I'm I can hear it. it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so it is, you know, being in a place where you have more than enough and so that you are able to give and not to be scared to give and not to be scared that if you give to others and whatever that may be, you know, whether that be your, um, that, that be your praise, your kindness, your love, you know, your support, your energy, you know, filling your own cup up so you're able to give and not, you know, be worried about the fact that that might mean that there's something left for you 
if you give. But at the same time, having, you know, the sense of your own boundaries around it, knowing that you can't just give and give and give and give and give without receiving anything in return, because in that place, you're going to become extremely depleted and resentful. And, you know, you just will end up in a place of scarcity and lack. And so to have boundaries involves a healthy self-compassion and respect as well, Mm -hmm. to know when to say no. Um, but to, to know that you are, um, but that there is a, a well inside of you that if you take care of yourself and you fill yourself up, that you are able to give to others. And that will just come back to you. That's the cycle of it. That when you are living in that flow, when you are living with an abundance mindset, when you know that there is enough and you are trusting that there is enough and that there is more than enough, there's an enormous amount of supply. Um, when you are living in that mindset, you know, you, when you are approaching life with that mindset, then the, the world will respond in kind to you. Mm. And again, there's that beautiful word cycle, which seems to come through a lot as well around the giving and receiving mm-hmm. cycle. Um, have you at any point, particularly as you stepped into doing more of this sort of heart soul based work, have you had any, uh, stuff you've had to work through around receiving money for these for these gifts that you're sharing with the world was that a process for you or were you pretty comfortable with receiving money for these for this work oh I mean this is ongoing for Mm. me and has been for many many years and I feel like that is typical for a lot of women um, in general you know in the western world and it's so interesting you know working um even when I was you know working back as a lawyer and and working with receiving then and also asking um asking Mm -hmm. for what my my work was worth and so negotiating pay rises was something that was extremely challenging for me and 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 yet I did do it because I knew that it was important for me to be able to receive abundance and money specifically in that context, you know, salary um, for the work that I was doing. And so that's been certainly the case, you know, before I came into business and then definitely in business because when I was starting out, as I mentioned before, I was doing this as a hobby, you know, mm. this is something which I loved to do and I didn't see it as a business to begin with Um, and so I loved giving my time away for free because I was um, you know I was enjoying it so much so the idea that I could pay for it or I could ask people to pay for it was quite a radical one and in fact you know that only really started when people started to assume that they were supposed to pay for it (laughs) and isn't this isn't this women we just want to give and we've got these big hearts and we love what we do we're just like I just want to give it to you and then learning how to receive for something that we just simply love to do is, is big work. Mm, it is really, really big work. And to, to know that it is, um, I mean, it's, it's just essential as, as, as women, I think, as a gender equality issue um, that we do. And there's lots of, you know, structural reasons around gender inequality, which women shouldn't have to, you know, have, have the sole burden of, of, of sorting out. But there are things which we have got some agency over and we can ask for uh, to be paid what our work is worth you know and it is very much around um, what your work is worth and not and the value that you're providing to others you know just by existing and being a beautiful creature you know Mm. that's that's not um, enough to get paid you need to make a difference in someone's life 
but you know, you need to be providing them value. But so many of us women are, you know, that's certainly something which is a which is a given to begin with, you know. And mm. and so many of us need to um to and myself included have needed to really recognize um the the value of what it is that we're giving to others and to um and not be afraid to ask and you know, not be afraid to put ourselves out there and to receive it, to really receive the um, the money that comes back as a result of, you know, doing really beautiful work and heart and soul work in the world and making a tremendous uh, difference in the lives of others. So we often tend to undervalue ourselves and um, and and the value of what it is that we give out in the world. And, and when people... Um, you know, come to us and say, look, this is the effect of, of, of what even your emails or, you know, mm. your Instagram posts have had in, in my life. Uh, certainly, you know, my uh, preconditioned response to that is like, oh, you're just being nice. Like, mm. <laughs> you know, oh, really? Um, but it is important for us to, to listen and to receive what people are offering to us in that way because when we receive it from them, we're actually allowing them to give us the gift that they want to give. And so when we are able to, you know, receive that, it actually makes them happy and us happy as well when we practice doing it. But the yin phases are a wonderful time in the lunar practice to practice receiving in that way because there is, it's all about the the reception, the restoration, the resting, you know, the allowing um, allowing all kinds of things, you know, including money, but other opportunities and other types of things to come to us in our life as well. And to be able to receive and delight in the receiving of those things is an ongoing practice. Mm, It is an ongoing practice. And I think it's, you know, going back to what we were talking about at the full moon is, is just the willingness to see those ways we're getting in our own way of perhaps receiving or undervaluing ourselves or, or being uncomfortable when someone wants to give to us and the willingness to, to release that so that we can keep expanding. Mm, yeah. Wow, this has been such a beautiful conversation. I've been taking notes. I've learned quite a lot from you today, Izzy, and I, and I hope that my audience have as well. Um, can you share with us what you've got coming up, what you're working on, what people can expect from you and, and where they can find you? Yeah, definitely. Well, I am currently working on writing Lunar Abundance, the book, so Mm. I can get this information into the hands of more women all around the world. So that's my big current project and that's going to be um, coming out a a bit further down the track. I wanted to make sure that I take the, the me at my website lunarabundance.com and on social media at Lunar Abundance, Lunar Abundance everywhere as you kindly said on my Instagram that's where I share a lot around the lunar phases and which um, lunar phase we're currently in and and, and a, you know something to help you work with that particular lunar phase in real time. I also teach a program where I go in to these topics deep with women from all around the world. The program's called the Lunar Abundance Salon, and I'm very active in the community to help support and encourage women to to go deeper into some of these concepts and materials and then really implement these ideas um, and principles into you know your own life where in whatever area of the life that is is most um, in focus for you right now whether that be money or whether that be work or career or relationships friendships connections romance 
and that type of thing. There's an abundance of everything. So we just need to um, practice and to expand our own um, minds and possibilities and, and vision about what is possible for us. Mm, beautiful. Thank you so much for your time. It has been so beautiful speaking with you and learning about all of this. And like I said, I know my audience are just going to lap this up. They're going to absolutely love it. Um, So thank you for being with me, Ezzy. It's been so nice speaking with you. It's been such a pleasure to be here. I really enjoyed having the chance to catch up with you. Yeah, awesome. And thank you to everyone who's been tuned in to today's episode of Awaken Radio. And I look forward to speaking to you next time in next, uh, next week's episode. See you later. Bye.